listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm sarah golseth it is monday that means it is mental health monday and we're going to do what we can today to help everybody keep on track with our great topic for this summer play uh excited to continue that conversation with deaconess heidi gaiman on mental health monday thanks to concordia university wisconsin thanks for your support of the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon it is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Monday Morning Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. I am pretty excited to continue our conversation about play. Last week, um, you sent me off uh, daydreaming about <laughs> building. Um, let's see, you were talking about having a a playhouse like under the stairs, like where you played house, like had the whole like lineup for the whole like. Um, pretend home there and that took me back to my days of playing the basement as well and like having a a pretend store pretend house pretend Mm -hmm. arcade i wow does anybody else ever like pretend like you had an arcade where like invited people over to play pretend games yeah no we pretended that we were driving to go see football games those are the kind of friends i had <laughs> oh yeah we, Michigan. we played school all the time and my sister oh, yeah, that too. and i were really into school and then my friends also would come over and so i actually created a pretend library where people could check out my books nice and so they had like little entries where you signed and i stamped it my mom bought me the like date stamp thing and everything yeah it was it's very legitimate <laughs> that's amazing so- Play is an important part, and we kind of turned out normal, right? So uh, maybe well, a little dorky, but sure. <laughs> Depends on your uh, definition of normal. <laughs> this is not therapy, by the way. No just, disclaimer for everyone. Yeah. Um, but, but we do talk about mental health topics uh, that can be useful, um, things that you can use in your daily life. And uh, so today we continue our conversation about play and kids. Where would you like to start today, Heidi? Yeah, so play and kids, I think just centering ourselves on what we've talked about already. So we have seven properties of play just to review purposelessness. It has to be attractive to people, voluntary. There's a freedom from time, a diminished sense of consciousness, which means we don't really have an embarrassment about the play we're doing. Improvisational, so it involves imagination and making things up like we were just talking about. And then it's enjoyable. We're kind of disappointed when it's done. And I added that it's an expression of God's grace. You know, it's really in that first um, article gifts that we have that God gives us uh, all of what we need, those provisions in life, if you will. And so then also we talked last week about how it grows us, you know, that it is a related to attachment and our ability to form relationships and keep relationships and then movement and uh, knowing our body in space and learning about our bodies, uh, problem solving, social understanding and how relationships work, our sense of self, and then also being able to tell our story. And so those are some of the foundations of play. And so I think we easily think of these things in kids. You know, we, when we talk about play, we picture a certain age. And so I'm kind of curious when I say the word play, Andy and Sarah, what age do you picture in your head? Like what kind of kid do you picture? Kindergarten-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you? Andy? Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe. Well, I have a, a son who's six, soon to be seven. So obviously that, that comes to mind right away as well. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, early, the, the, the young elementary school age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really common. I, I actually get just a little bit older. Like I usually think about a nine-year-old because probably from my own experiences, but then also as a therapist, the kids I see that um, – really hit their play stride, if you will. Like they can process so much. They have this maturity to them um, and are moving into being able to do a lot of more abstract concepts and things like that in their play uh, are a little bit older, but they also haven't lost that uh, very uh, unconscious, uh, non-embarrassment sense of play. You know, they're, they're not into the middle school age or fifth grade and up where they think that they should stop playing. And so I think it's really important that we consider who we think play is appropriate for before we dive into kids in play. Because I think it will block play for other people when we unconsciously apply like an age limit to it, if you will. And so understanding that there is a place for play in everybody's lives is helpful for us to be able to allow our own kids and the kids that we interact with in a classroom and things like that or at church, a place and a space for play. And so knowing that about yourself, like what do you picture when you think of play and what limits and rules do you have on play? Do you think that there's spaces where people shouldn't play, that it's inappropriate to play? Knowing these things about ourselves will help us be able to offer as much grace as we can in the spaces for the kids in our life. And kids, I have an entire blog article at HeidiGaiman.com that people can read in a podcast that's called um, Kids Spell Grace, (laughs) P-L-A-Y. Like, I think this is really fundamental for kids in understanding the freedom of Christ and for them to understand that God values us enough to send forgiveness and grace into our lives, that he isn't an angry God. He isn't a God with all these rules and wrath first. Instead, yes, he's justice, and that's really important, but that the law is fulfilled by Christ, you know, that he has covered all of those things. Um, And so I think there's a million different ways in our life that we don't understand that. That's a really hard concept for us to live in day to day. Um, And for kids, we place a lot of restrictions on them. And some of them are for them, their safety boundaries. That's important. That's actually a part of the gospel is boundaries. Uh, But, you know, just being aware of our own sense of what play means to us, I think is really helpful. So, For both of you, again, not therapy, right? So I won't put you too much on the spot. Um, But I kind of wonder, you know, have there ever been places where you felt really free to play when you were a kid or certain kinds of play that felt uh, really natural and good for you? Or were there places where you felt restricted? So who wants to take that one? Oh, man, that is a a hard question. Uh, I think my memories of of the most fun experiences I had, I guess, uh, when I was playing were probably actually indoor recess, which is probably a weird thing, but I loved indoor recess and being able to play in the classroom. Um, I think maybe because there were boundaries and I am an introvert and therefore I liked having those boundaries. Um, I was a lot less comfortable on the playground. I loved being 
like playing with the toys that we had inside. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And you can see how that's a different expression of play for you then than someone else might have. But that doesn't make it right or wrong. Like we all have our own play languages. And in order to allow us to give our kids that sense of grace and play, we have to be a little bit attuned to their play languages. And when I say our kids understand that I'm talking about, you know, ones that we have ourselves or those kids in our church that we care about um, and the kids in our neighborhood and the kids in our classrooms and things like that too. How about you, Andy? Outside, particularly um, most of my childhood, my family went camping a lot, whether it was a basically any season, but winter, we didn't really do any winter camping, but um, in the fall, I remember camping among the pines and just, I can even smell it sometimes when mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it, the pine needles on the ground, just the big carpet of pine needles and, you know, setting up a, 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 a chair in the, the, you know, right by a pine tree and just, um, all the kinds of things that you can make out of pine needles and bark and things like that on the ground is so crazy. But then uh, during the summer, playing in the creek at another campground that we went to and just spending like the entire day playing in this creek that was probably freezing cold because it was spring fed. But I would spend the whole day in that creek um, catching crawdads and building um, building dams with rocks and things like that, just spending hours upon hours until my family would come and like find me because I had not come back to eat. Mm -hmm. So that, there's that really diminished sense of consciousness and freedom mm -hmm. from time in that, as you can see. And so we want to ask ourselves how to get that into our kids' lives and into the kids' lives in our churches. And I think this is a major ministry question for people a lot of times uh, because church so often is connected to reverence, you know, and in is connected to those places of respect. Uh, so how does that look then for a kid whose very first language is play? You know, it's it's the most important thing for them in understanding their world around them. So we don't want to have this happen where, you know, Andy, you enjoy going outside and playing in the creek and that's your biggest idea of freedom and joy. And then Sarah being able to play in the classroom, even that that's your biggest sense of freedom and joy, but you never have that connected to Christ for you. You know, we want to be able to make our homes, our classrooms and our churches places where kids can connect to Christ in a holistic way, um, that he isn't represented in just this one space in this one way, uh, but that we give them a lot of understanding of who he is in those different places that feel really comfortable for them. Um, and so I know that sounds really complex, right? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't seem like something that I think we do naturally is think, huh, I wonder how Jesus and play fit together. <laughs> you know, that's not maybe part of our lingo. Um, we, but I have a few ideas maybe to share with you after the break. Yeah, that, we like to talk about complex things on Mental Health Monday. <laughs> but, you know, when you're, when you're talking about that, I'm thinking through, uh, you know, the the reverence that I was taught to have in church uh, because we're there in the presence of, of Jesus and we have uh, the reverence and respect that is needed for the divine service and for treating that house of worship as it should be treated. Uh, but there's also a lot of... of joy, I don't know if I would maybe say playfulness, but joy in the things that we do receive there. Mm -hmm. um, and I, we mentioned, I 
it may have been our last episode talking about where kids physically are in church and and whether or not they should be sitting quietly. And I remember when I was a kid, um, we had kneelers in our church. So my parents would put the kneeler down and I would sit on the kneeler and color during a service, but I, I, I knew I belonged there. And as I grew up, I, I developed my love of, of hymnody because it was something that other people around me um, were modeling that, that being in church is a place of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that I think that maybe can translate into this playfulness that we're talking about. And now if you just had a hymnal that you could color in. I need one of those badly. <laughs> I feel like there's an ad in that somewhere. The, the, <laughs> there's an ad I'm somewhere. referencing the illuminated hymnal from yeah. Concordia Publishing House. <laughs> I need Perfect. one of those. We, we need to take a quick break. Let's do that. And then we'll con- continue our conversation on play and kids. Although we keep talking about us. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> you're, listening, you're listening to the Coffee Hour on Mental Health Monday. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. <laughs> You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're checking in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for our topic this morning, talking about kids and play. And I, I, I might have derailed us with my stories about going outside <laughs> and then coloring hymnals as well. Heidi, bring us back around because we need your focus today. Sure. <laughs> derailing us. <laughs> sure. Well, I want to share some practical ideas for, especially in our churches, but also in our homes and our classes, how to help kids be able to have that freedom in play and that sense of joy. And, um, but first I want to reflect on what happens when kids do not get that space. You know, why do we care? Like, why does it matter if kids kids have room for play in their lives. And you can read a lot of articles about this, particularly um, educationally focused, that especially in young child classrooms, so kindergarten, preschool, that if we force so much structured learning on them without the play, that in fact, we do see uh, lower literacy rates, we see um, a lot of behavioral problems. And so there are some consequences when we don't allow kids space for play. Learning has its place that's really important. And we want to be able to have places for that for our kids. But the reality is play is learning. And if you take anything from this episode, of play and kids, it's that play is learning for them. And so we especially understand that in this idea that play is children's first language. So even before they learn words on their tongue and process what we're saying to them, there is a place for play in their understanding of the world. That's how they begin to understand their space around them. That's how they understand relationships. Um, And so we wanna be able to, you would not tell a child, um, 
you know, okay, today we're not going to speak at all <laughs> because, you know, mom and dad just don't really feel like speaking. Uh, today, our classroom is totally silent. That's what it would feel like for a kid if we didn't allow them space for play. So it's very important to their understanding of the world. And I would turn the listener to resources from the University of North Texas. They have a center for play therapy, and we're going to talk about play therapy in our next episode. But if you want to understand a little bit more and read some really good articles about uh, children's need for play and what that does for them and their language of play, I would turn you to a lot of their resources. They're really, really helpful in understanding that. Um, so then the basic idea of how do we get more play then, what are some appropriate things we can put into our churches in particular, because that's what I'm passionate about, right? Mental health in the church. Uh, how do we get those spaces for play for kids? And we just, before the break, Sarah was sharing, you know, her experiences in worship and reverence. And we've reflected on that quite a bit. And I want to say that there is a space for both those things. I think our problem societally is that we do not do well with holding space for both those things. We, again, want to have that black and white idea, you know, that the church looks like this and it looks like reverence. Um, does it also look like there's space for play there. And I would say it does. And I can think of a few suggestions. Uh, number one is anytime you can get the VBS experience <laughs> into a child's church experience, we have given them an opportunity to see that church also is a space for play. Um, does anybody have any strong memories of VBS that they want to share and their understanding of faith in Christ and all of that good stuff? I didn't really go to church until I was in high school. So my memories of VBS are more like uh, more involved with helping with VBS rather mm -hmm. than being a child attending VBS. Sarah, did you have VBS experiences as a kid? Oh, yes. Lots of them. My favorite ones actually were outdoors. Uh, we set up like a Roman marketplace mm -hmm. and we dressed up in character costumes and had Roman, Roman money and money bags and all of this uh all of this themed stuff out in our parking lot, which is not usually my MO for, for having fun and being playful. Um, mm -hmm. But it was super duper fun to be mm -hmm. in that environment and, and kind of immersed in that experience. I think yeah. those, those are my favorite VBS memories of, you know, and I do love history. So that probably was part of it. Mm -hmm. Little Sarah back in the day. Um, but that immersion experience was really cool for me. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that you pointed about VBS that's really true is that VBS has something for everyone. So when we say VBS, we mean Vacation Bible School. And a lot of us understood it in our childhood in kind of this five-day experience, a few hours each day or something. You know, it can, be, it can look like anything. Our VBSs look maybe a lot different today than they did before. But generally, VBS has a lot of centers, a lot of rotation. There's a lot of different experiences that people are having. And I think that's one reason why VBS is such a good way for kids to experience play in the church is because there's a lot of different opportunities at VBS. You know, if you don't like games, Games. Like, I really do not like organized group games. Those are stressful for me. Um, but like Sarah, the idea of being in a temple marketplace uh, and learning about that and having that immersion experience sounds really rock star to me. Uh, then that is going to have 
different ways of speaking to different kids. Uh, like my 16-year-old Jonah, I'm pretty sure if you asked him, his VBS experiences that really rocked his world probably have to do with group games and probably popsicles. You know, the snacks are really <laughs> big for a lot of kids. And there's a reason that any of the VBS curriculum writers, and I know our own CPH, do a really good job of creating snacks that are really tied to the Bible story because you have learning going on in that space, but it's really playful. You know, when you're sitting your goldfish crackers, not an ad for goldfish crackers, on top of your your blue gelatin mix and things like that. And so <laughs> there's a lot of fun that's to be had in a lot of different spaces. And, and I think that really helps kids. Um, another thing that is really helpful for kids, and this seems really small, you guys, but having that scribble paper in the pews available for kids is no small thing. Um, I cannot tell you how much sacred artwork I have for my children. <laughs> that has been put on scribble paper so you can see them processing. You know, I could force a conversation about what uh, topics we were having in church that day, what Bible readings we were have, and that would be good. We want to have those intentional conversations, but it's pretty cool also to just see what kids come up with because they pay way more attention than we think. Um, and when we offer them the ability to play, even on a small, you know, three by four inch piece of paper, they will show you a representation of something often that they learned in church. Uh, same thing with visual faith tools. When we have those bulletins and things where they circle a word that they heard in the reading for them, when there's a lot of color in that, and there's a lot of different aspects that they get to fill in and get really tactile with that is play while still having that reverence in Christ's house. Um, and so those are a couple of big ways that we can get some play into church spaces. Um, I think church nurseries and having kid-friendly spaces are also really important. Um, and so while our sanctuaries might be designed a certain way, there can be other spaces where the kids know that that's kind of, quote unquote, their space, that they uh, can meet with God, not just in the sanctuary, but these other places, and they're built more for movement and more for creativity um, and freedom of space and all of that good stuff. So do you guys have any that you can think of that kind of represent play in the church for you? Hmm. Mm. I, know. I, already, I already told my story about scribbling in church. <laughs> I mean, that is that is one of my earliest memories is is having that space to to scribble. Um, our our nursery was definitely, or I guess it still is at my parents' church, uh, is still that place where uh, where kids can play, and and that is the way that it is in my current church now. We have a good area where where it's for the kids. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. I was surprised. I thought you were going to say, Sarah, the music. Um, and oh, well, yes. I was kind of like waiting. <laughs> I want to say it, but I'm pretty sure Sarah's going to say it. Um, I think that the music, think about this for kids. You know, uh, it anything from thy strong word, which is feels like this battle hymn, if you will, um, that's a very uh, physical experience when we sing those kind of really deep bass hymns to having a, an element of a praise song or a more like a labore or some hymn like that, that has a little more of a movement tone to it. Uh, those things can be really powerful for kids. We can allow them perhaps a little space to move around even that we don't normally move around during the musical portions of 
the services that gives them a little bit more playful sense. And I think that's really helpful for them. How about you, Andy? I've been blessed to be a part of a con- of congregations that have schools, Lutheran schools. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that sometimes affords more space for movement and activity, whether it be a gym for the day school or even just part of the family life center. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I can't help but think of as we're talking about play today and and um, creative play, creative dramatics even, um, and how that can be helpful in not only for kids, but I know we're talking about kids today, but also for grownups too. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't help but, but keep repeatedly thinking of um, when you were talking about VBS in uh, my um, congregation, St. Paul, Waco, Texas, where I served for uh, a few years, um, we, we uh, were looking at ways to observe the Reformation and we went full on VBS style immersive experience, like Sarah was talking <laughs> about earlier for VBS um, with Reformation and had a uh, converted the family life center into a castle courtyard mm-hmm. and had all kinds of activities for adults and kids and, and including food and, and things like that. But it was a, a, a you know medieval period uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. experience with uh, lots of activities where they got to get down on the floor and, and crawl and, and, and uh, play in dramas and color and, and do mm-hmm. all kinds of things to learn about the, the history of uh, God bringing the truth, re- you know, re- revealing the truth to, of his word to his church mm-hmm. and uh, to do that in, in such a, a dramatic and, and creative way. Yeah, that improvisational aspect of play Mm -hmm. is what I hear you saying a lot, which is really cool. And I just really encourage parents at home with your small children and your big kids. Like Jesus doesn't have to be just about that devotion time. You know, when your kids are playing, bring Christ into it. Ask them, you know, different questions about Bible stories that you remember, that you think of when you see them playing. Um, I think you know, church is, is a broader concept than just the building we go to. You know, it's about the people that we have over into our homes that they spend time with. And then also about uh, bringing his word out and sharing together and, and bringing some improvisation maybe into that in our family rooms. Nothing is better than when kids at Christmas time all get dressed up like the nativity without you prompting them right? Like it's just so fun. And so kids will work out their faith. They'll learn about their faith on their own. But when we have that word out and available for them and we're sharing it with them in very organic ways, um, that can be some of the most powerful moments for a kid. And we don't want to miss including Jesus in those times, just like we don't want to miss including play in other times in our lives. Um, so, so that's one thing I would say to parents is just know that, um, Play should be an aspect that we're involved with in our kids, as well as give them freedom. So just let them play. You don't have to be involved in every minute. That's a beautiful thing about parenting is giving them some (laughs) minutes to play where you're not a part of it, but then also engaging in their play because that's their space. And when you engage in it, it says, I'm interested in you. I value you. And that also shows them that God is valuing them and interested in them. And that brings us to the end of today. We're all out of time. 
Uh, so next time, let's today. Today was play and kids. What's on the desk for next week? Yeah, next week we're going to talk about uh, the resource that is play therapy. So it's a very specific uh, therapeutic vantage point, and there's also play based therapies. It's a little bit of a wider margin um, that you can have in therapy, and it's just a really good resource for helping kids work through some trauma, some stress, um, some anxiety. We see a lot of anxiety in classrooms, right, and in, in places and families too. So we're going to talk about play therapy. What is it? What's it look like? And what's available um, so that people can engage in it if it's if it sounds like something that'd be really useful for them. Thanks so much, Heidi. Always great to check in with you on Mental Health Mondays here on The Coffee Hour. Thanks. See you next time. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.